So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection on uh, May the 16th, 2013. I'm Rico Shields, and way over yonder on my left, Jane Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jane? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. It's um, gray, gray and windy and storm-ish coming in, so, you know, if the Internet cuts out, don't don't be too surprised. So if Jean suddenly disappears, I'll try to chime in, and and uh, she'll probably just reappear. We've been playing that game. Yes, we have, and it's just it's it's just storms out in the mountains. You know, I mean, there, there were times today where my trees were touching the ground; they were bent over so far from the wind. So it's not um, wow. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy um, up here. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Never a dull moment <laughs> up in the mountains of Quebec. There's always yes. something going on up here. Very exciting. Yes. And all that quartz crystal in the ground and stuff, you know, lightning. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm planting now, you see. So I, I planted um, three lilac bushes today, or I hope what will be three lilac bushes, because they tell you just cut a branch under the node off the tree and give it some rooting hormones, stick it in the ground, and it'll grow, supposedly. Um, so that's what I did in three different locations, three branches in each spot. So I'm I'm giving that a go. But digging into the ground here, you know, I'm feeling sorry for me and Shauna when we go to dig our vegetable garden um, next week because, ah, uh, it's so much rock. There's so much rock. Like you're literally fighting your way through beds of quartz crystals to get anything into the ground. It's really crazy. You take you take any shovel spool full anywhere anywhere on this property, driveway included. I'm still fascinated by walking down our driveway cuz it's just full of quartz crystal pieces and and it's just you're digging up white rock. Like I I know that some people collect it to um to decorate their gardens and stuff with and I'm thinking, you know, they can come here and get as much as they want because I got something to spare, apparently. <laughs> I was not aware. That's how we got that, that whole fashion started. Somebody saw a picture of a garden up in your part of the world and all that stuff was stacked around Probably. just because folks didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> really, it's it's on the side of the road. Like, you go and walk down the side of the road, there are big chunks of quartz crystal, and it just comes up from the plowing and when they grate the roads 
in the spring and the plowing in the winter it all gets turned up and then anybody who's doing gardens out here i mean it, it gets dug up when you go to plant a garden and you, it's just it's it's all through all through the dirt you can't get away from it in in spots around kerrville uh here in texas and uh, i used to laugh because people in the kerrville area and mountain home and and the little towns right around there didn't have cows, which everybody thinks of when they think Texas. They had they had goats because the cows wouldn't put up with. There was too much quartz. It it, it looks like quartz grows out of the ground. It's what it looks like. I mean, it's just like little sprouts of it everywhere. And uh, yeah, it's right. It's right, crazy. I mean, I I was because I was picking spots for the lilac bushes, of course, because you know, I mean, eventually they're going to get big and have nice purple flowers on them, and that's going to be awesome. But, and so you want to put them in places where you're going to appreciate looking at nice big purple flowers in the spring. So I'm and I'm looking over kind of the cliff edge of the edge of my driveway, and I'm looking down, and there's just two big chunks of quartz crystal jutting out of the side of the cliff, kind of thing. And I'm just, okay, I won't be digging here, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know what are you what are you going to do? Um, but I don't want to get rid of it. Because it's that's how my wallet water gets filtered here, and um, the energetic feel of this space is just so fantastic that I want to keep my quartz crystals. So I'm digging around it, and and I know obviously the trees have found their way to to grow their roots around it. So I'm assuming my vegetables and my lilacs will do the same. I hope. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I hope so too. The the big adventure continues up at the uh, mountain home, the <laughs> fortress of solitude up there. <clears throat> Telling you, it's just going to get crazier. I mean, we're we're only a week away now from Shauna getting here. So, wasn't it Tuesday? I guess we talked about the house up there. It came up in the show or the after show chat with our guest and and. Anyway, then I get off the line, I go walk the dog, and it's time for me to listen to some past episodes for these connection clips that we're doing. And I turn on the episode, and it's the episode where you had just gotten the news that you were going in a week to the house you thought you'd lost. It was really interesting. Yeah. Coincidence. Uh, or, uh, yeah, and I'm still... We don't believe in those. <laughs> <laughs> Synchronicity. Um I'm still I'm still in a state of awe, shock and awe. Um and I'm still fascinated and I hope that I will forevermore be fascinated by this property and I'm so looking forward to having a new playmate on this property. Um you know, it's just this space is so expansive for me and has so much potential and so much beauty and and it's really exciting to be looking at the prospect of being able to open the studio and to share it and to offer a space for wayward artists who and you know people who want to come and create in in a space like this. So, you know, I mean the journey is going to be intense, I'm sure at times and but the vision that we're all sharing here for what can be done with this space that we've been gifted with is just so beautiful that it's it's going to be work it's going to be worth the work and the sweat and the tears, you know. I mean, there's going to be long, hot, tired days, I'm sure. You don't build something like that without a little sweat. Um, but 
it's it's going to be worth it and it's going to be fun and it's going to be joyous and um i it's an ever changing changing space which is what i'm so fascinated by every single day i walk outside and something looks different yeah. so it's the bush it's very cool it's awesome. it's just and, it's and just the, such a cool place to live. the truth is it really happens i i find that here in the apartment but not until i started looking really <laughs> It it the ground of course, you know, I walk with Molly and most of the folks that have dogs here they go take their dog ten foot outside the door, make them do their thing and then take them back inside. Molly and I go wander all over the place. I'm the weird guy in pajamas that wanders all over the apartment <laughs> complex. And um um It's because you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I am. It's a good kind of crazy though. I like it. Um and um but I guess last week we started having these teeny-tiny little purple flowers uh, that probably, I don't know, somebody that was keeping a lawn would probably call them weeds. But in the grass there were these plants with teeny-tiny little purple flowers. And then the lawn people came and cut the grass, and they were gone. Hmm. And this week they came back there, but it's not them, I guess, because it's little tiny orange flowers. So I don't know what color they'll be next week. Yeah, it's craziness, and I'm so gl- I'm so grateful to have the husband that I have who doesn't cut the grass. <laughs> like I, when we moved here last summer, and he was like, "Well, what do you want to do with the the landscaping?" I said, "I want to let nature do what it does." And he was like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, just let it do what it does." I mean, there's no better landscaper on the planet than Mother Nature, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, she knows what trees and plants grow best with what other trees and plants. And as far as, like, the the perennial something's always blooming kind of scenario, that happens in nature anyways because plants naturally bloom at different times of the year so that they can, you know, have more plants. So I told him to leave it. And, And he's totally cool with that. I don't... I don't get harassed to make the gardens, you know, I don't have to prune my shrubs. I don't have to Put make that it in a look perfect um, straight line. Tidy. Over there. <laughs> yeah. How many how many it people have been like, hiking in the what in the wilderness and seen a lot of straight lines out there? Not so many. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I I'm it's you know, I mean we we have the opportunity here to do it. We could have some beautiful amazing terrace gardens because it is all slopes and all hills and um, you know, our, we don't have any really flat land on our property, hardly at all. The only spot we have that's flat is going to be used for a vegetable garden. So, you know, I mean, we could do some amazing landscaping, but why? Why would I? Mother Nature well, has it under control. Hey, I promise all of our callers uh, that are in line in the in the call queue that uh, we will uh, get to all of your questions. And, and uh, Sophia's Very here. And, oh, yeah. and, and She is here. But I'm going to soapbox for just a second um, because they do it at my apartments here. And the landscape people, I lived in a house before this, uh, before the big real estate crash and everybody getting foreclosed on and all that. Um, and I, every lawn cutting company, every everybody had to be told not to prune my crepe myrtle trees. And I understand you've been told the same thing about your lilac bushes up there, that, you know, if you want them to bloom, you've got to prune them. And they take these four crepe myrtle trees down here in Texas, and they cut them until it looks like 
sticks. Look, just looks like sticks sticking out of the ground. And there they sit, naked sticks, all winter, <clears throat> and which is, you know, two weeks here. And, um, <laughs> and and then they get some little bit of growth on them, and, and they bloom. And, yes, they do. They're desperate. for. They've been threatened with their survival, so they're trying to reproduce desperately. Uh, the fun thing is that people started putting them in their yards because they saw them out in the woods and thought they were pretty. Well, who did they think was trimming them out there? Who do they think pruned those things out there? Oh, sure, occasionally a squirrel misjudges his own body weight and lands on a branch and breaks it off. But uh, other than that, you know, and, and and my parents had a crepe myrtle in their in their backyard of their last house they had here in Houston that was probably 30 foot tall. It was just the most gorgeous crepe myrtle tree I'd ever seen because all the rest of them get cut back to six foot tall every winter. Mm. And um, it's just not – think about it, people. You know, that somebody shows up and says, you know, I'm an arborist, and we need to uh, take out some of the interior branches of your oak trees so that it will be healthy. Who – you see all those oak trees out there in the woods? Who's trimming the interior branches of those oak trees? That's who? What? Really? And that, that's what I don't it's understand. Common sense. Actually, um, it, it's probably the only disagreement I've ever had with um, – Pascal's grandmother, who we, right outside my door, I'm staring at it now. There's this huge puffball tree. I don't even know what they're called. They have those big puffball white flowers that if you dry them, they they look really cool in arrangements. But um, she kept insisting that this one tree, above all others, needed to be pruned. Like, if you don't prune it, it's not going to bud. And I, I kept very gently ignoring it. And last weekend, Pascal was home, and he's looking at the tree, and he's like, ah, she said it again, eh? And I said, yeah. I said, but wait for it. And he said, you're you're convinced it's going to be okay. I said, I absolutely know it's going to be. And I'm looking at it now, and he's going to come home this weekend, and his mind's going to be blown because it is covered, covered in green little buds. It's a late-blooming tree, but it's covered, and it's going to be gorgeous. I didn't touch it. I didn't do anything to it. I want it to get bigger. I want it to expand. I want it to grow and flourish. And it will do that on its own. And I don't understand this pruning concept. And I'm sure somebody's going to tell me at some point that there's some really good reason we, why we should be doing it. But personally, I, yeah, it, it, I'm going to let this tree grow and see how big it gets. Why not? You know, I mean... Exactly. <laughs> you know, you said the, the the bloom all year long thing just happens naturally. Yeah, it's because the plants all got together and made a schedule, and they take turns. Yeah. And uh, it's not quite like that, but they do. They take turns. They it it, it just all works, you know. And well, it only quits working when we. Food. The bees always need food. You know, I mean, it just it's a system that's set to set up to be successful. If we don't. Fuck with it. Yes, I dropped the F bomb. Well, but there was I mean, a, seriously, people. There was a scientific study that we posted on Everyday Connections <laughs> Facebook page a couple of months ago. I'll, I'll dig it up and post it again. But uh, they had done a scientific study about the survival of coral reefs with, you know, the oceans are getting warmer. So are the coral reefs going to survive? Of course, they're assuming that nothing's going to change in the next hundred years, which is really kind of nutty. But... I, I was pleased with the results of the study 
they determined that the coral reefs were all going to survive and be just fine, as provided humans stopped intervening. And I was like, well, yeah, if you quit jacking with it and just leave it alone, it'll be fine. <laughs> it's been fine for how many millennia? But it's going to be fine. Leave it alone. So, oh, the, the sea's going to warm by one degree, and that'll kill everything. Really? It's always been the same temperature on this planet for however many million years. Everything will be fine, people, really. Sorry, <clears throat> people need to stop underestimating Mother Nature. And and at that, I will let it rest and invite our guest in to talk about it, because I'm sure, you know, well, she deals with animals all the time. Well, it's related. Yeah, it is very related. You know, and they and, say um, if you don't chop off the tail of certain breeds, they won't be happy, and I'm just like... <laughs> Yeah, okay. Come over, come over here, and let me chop your tail off. See how you feel about it. But, <clears throat> um, no, we don't want to get off on that too far, right? Um, because I know that we have some great questions. Uh, we have folks on the yeah. phone, and and uh, so we're going to have a great time. We had much fun playing last time, so we're doing it again. Sophia Jantera, how are you? I'm fabulous. And very happy to be here and listen to the wisdom that you two have about allowing Mother Nature to do her thing. If we only leave it alone and get out of the way, she'll take care of herself. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm we're starting a garden. And I remember so well when my mom and dad planted a garden and my grandmother planted a garden. My great aunts planted all their gardens. You know, they tilled their soil at the beginning of the year. They stuck a rake, the end of a rake, into the soil. They made a line. They threw the seeds in. They watered it, and they let it go. Yes. <laughs> but if you go on, go online now and ask about gardening. It is there is so much complex. You got to start these seeds at this time of the year indoors, and then wrap them in foil or wrap them in saran wrap. What about and the one you on told the me? Top of the fridge, yeah. so that mm, they they get the, the vibration. Because the vibrates and, and it helps them. Germany. <laughs> well, what? maybe it does. I've not tried that. And I'm, I, and I'm sure that that is great wisdom and that it works. However, <laughs> my faith in Mother Nature's ability to reproduce is such that I am going to stick my damn seeds in the ground. They are going to grow. I'm going to eat well. That's the end of it. <laughs> it's kind of like that whole thing about eat organic food, or as our great grandparents called it, food. Food. <laughs> food. Food. <laughs> and uh it around. Go and eat it. Yeah. Uh, put it in a peat pellet on top of your refrigerator. It, 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 it. Who's vibrating the dirt in the woods? Come on, people. But, it's very confusing to me and I'm just I'm just kind of flabbergasted at how far away we've gotten from trusting this natural growth process. I mean, really, you give plants soil, water, and sunlight, and they're good to go. And you don't artificially try to make the same plant grow in the same spot every year for 10 years. Well. You know, I mean, I remember my brother-in-law was a farmer in Kansas. We'll we'll get from plants to animals, I swear. But <laughs> wait, wait a second, dear. We need to grow the plants to feed a lot of our animals, including the two-legged ones that we are. <laughs> Absolutely, and and he would grow corn or wheat or whatever he's going to grow in a field. He would grow it for two years, and then he would have one year where he would grow alfalfa. 
and he had a few cattle in a in a very small feed lot you i guess you could call it it was too small really it was not a commercial operation they had lots of room but the alfalfa worked to help feed the cattle so it all you know worked in the system but it also put the nutrients back in the soil so then he could plant it back to corn the next year so he just rotated his fields and and then somewhere along the road i'm not sure how it transpired but he got convinced to put a bunch of hybrid seeds in the ground and well you need to spray them with this and you need to fertilize them with this and you need to do this and you need to do that and it i don't remember and and of course i would have been younger at the time but i did spend two summers working on his farm i don't remember him having the level of frustration when he was just rotating his fields you know I mean, yeah, okay, sometimes if he, a second crop for a second year, it might not yield just really well, and he would go, yep, got to put alfalfa next year. No big deal. But with the, all this hybrid stuff, you know, some lab somebody would call from some place and say, oh, well, then you need to give it another four pounds per acre of 37-25-42-hike. <laughs> it, 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 it. There's a system, and it it works, and that's what the indigenous used to do, is they would watch the system work, and then they would work with it, Absolutely. as opposed to just going in there and saying, oh, no, that'll never work. You'll do, you're doing it wrong, in other words. Right, right. It's, <laughs> you know, dear Mother Nature, Weird. I know, you've had plants here for 10 million years, but we have a better way. Probably well, not. <clears throat> Probably no, not. Unless no. you've had 10 million years to practice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really one to believe in human tinkering it really truly improves anything. I seem to recall reading an article about the way that the Dust Bowl was created with the massive crop planting or quote-unquote industrialization of family farms. And I believe I recall a study that talked about the way that they were told to plant the crops in terraces or rows contradictory to the to the wind instead of doing it. In other words, they planted it according to what science told them to do. And that was most of the problem or a great deal of the problem of the soil erosion that occurred or certainly helped a great deal with it because... They cross-purposed it, and they actually opened the earth up so that the dirt would blow away instead of it being in a more natural flow or ley line, if you want to call it that. Right. And I found that really quite interesting and also as well quite sad how it was, in part, a great man-made disaster along with other things. So, well, you know, keep it alone. This, <laughs> well, it's this separation thing. Of we're only going to pay attention to one plant, or we're only going to pay attention to one animal, or... Nature's not like that. Everybody, everybody gets along. It's, it's like the uh, permaculture guy that said, you know, I just talked to the old folks that lived around here, and they didn't prune the little, you know, what do they call them, suckers, the little branches that come off the bottom of trees. Yes, yes. Uh, he said, he said, because the old folks never would cut those, and so I asked him, and they, and this old fella told me, he said, well, <clears throat> I leave the stuff that grows close to the ground for the rabbits. 
and the stuff that grows about waist high is for the deer and the stuff that grows above that's for me but if i cut all that stuff down at the bottom they get hungry and they start pushing my trees over and then none of us eat The wisdom of leaving it alone. I remember um, a gentleman I spoke to who was out in the wilds with the wild mustangs and the Sierras. And he was a biologist as well. Unfortunately, I don't remember his name. But what he found was that horses ate the top part of forage lower, higher than what the cattle would eat. And that instead of the true conflict or the perceived conflict about horses grazing on what cattle or cows need to graze on in that sparse terrain. If anything, what his findings were was that what the horses ate down allowed the forage for the cattle, which was closer to the ground, to flourish and grow more. And somehow that seems to be lost in all of the stories about what needs to be done with the Bureau of Land Management land and our wild heritage of Mustangs. But I find it really interesting that someone did find a counterpoint in in, in tune with what you were saying about the rabbits ate the lower end and the next one were for the deer. Of course they're all going to eat different things. I can't imagine they'd eat the same. So right. there it is again. And, and, you know, I took their food away and then they then they tore up the garden. But if I leave it alone, <laughs> just let it grow, they eat the part they can reach, and they are happy, and they don't tear things up. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it's just, well, like Coco Nature said in the chat room, makes sense. It just, it, but you have to, you have to come from that space of, I'd like to be a cooperative element of this system that's already here, that already works, um, instead of, I'm going to come in here and make a system. <laughs> well, I always believed in the old farmer's almanac, Benjamin Franklin and his ability to predict weather and the right time to plant must have been based on planetary alignment because for the life of me, I don't know what it was. But people, farmers followed it. They followed the natural rhythms and seasons according to what his understanding was and it still works today. If I really want to know what the weather's going to be like, get me out my old farmer's almanac, and that's hundreds of years of wisdom. It is. It's so funny you say that because today when I was talking to Rick about the seed issue, the planting, the guys, the, you know, my my partner who's coming up here to help me take care of this space and to help build yeah. the studio. Um, yeah did all the research and then she kind of at the end of all the research went, I'm really overwhelmed. Like there's so much out there that I don't know Mm -hmm. what to do. And so I was talking to Rick about it and I'm like, my instinct was she's coming up at the end of May. That gives us a week to till the soil and build our garden, stick the seeds in. And that's when my parents would have started a garden. And I said, Mm -hmm. that to me makes sense. He sends me a copy of the almanac and that's exactly what the almanac is saying for me to do. Oh, Between the last week of May and the first week of June, that's when you should <laughs> even aligns with the moon easy. phase and everything. You know, yes, it does. And, and I'm just like, okay, so I'm just gonna go with my gut from now on. Then, and you know what? It's trial and error. Okay, if it doesn't work, then I'll try something else. But my first instinct is to try the most basic form of gardening possible: stick the seed in the dirt, give it water, <laughs> let it grow. 
And not Mother Nature take care of the rest, like the warmth and the rain <laughs> yes, and the light. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the closer we attune ourselves to nature and the rhythms of nature, I believe, the more peaceful I see things flowing in the what I would call divine design. You know, if we just allow things, as you've been saying, both of you have been saying all along, to proceed at their natural progressive natures and their natural patterns, then things happen the way that they're supposed to. I, in particular, kind of chuckled internally about how you were saying, what do you need to mean that you need to cut down the trees and prune the trees for them to grow? My yeah, I don't get that. I, I don't either, you know. I mean, maybe if you don't want it leaning on the house, well, that's a very different thing. Then you have to cut it for it to grow. So in all the years of evolutionary pathways, there have been little elves in the forest trimming these trees at night when we weren't watching, and that's the only reason they were growing. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I'm... I'm hoping I'm hoping because I love this woman dearly and I respect everything that she is. She's a very strong, loving, caring person and I certainly don't want to um disregard her wisdom as, as being, you know, not wisdom. Um but I would love to be able to show her at the end of this little experiment that yes, look how beautiful and big this bush has gotten. You know, just to be able to show, I didn't cut it at all. But look, look, nature has this under control, and it's all fine. So, you know, I, that's what I'm kind of hoping for. And, and that's, you know, I I, I know it's going to be all good. Trust nature, and everything will work out just fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. It It is something I would think um, that... Um, something that that animals are our, our companion animals could help us with because they're um still closer perhaps to being able to feel that that rhythm and mm-hmm. um uh and there's a lot of us that have just there's a lot of that wisdom that has it's either buried in an old farmer's almanac somewhere or uh in the old guy that lives up the road that people think he's silly uh, because he gets mad at their lawnmowers. Uh, ask those folks. Uh, you know, read some of these older things. I, I again, there's there have been some really great advancements in in ways to care for things and ways to grow stuff in tiny amounts of space. And and uh, I applaud the city gardeners. And 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 but if you've got the space, you know, don't try to grow stuff that grows in some way other part of the world. Grow stuff that grows where you live, and mm-hmm. it'll grow. It, and you won't have to do weird stuff. Anyway. True. But we uh, have a ton of questions for you. I'm thinking we have um, questions in the chat room and questions in the... Well, how lovely. We Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. We've had several hellos for you. So uh, we'll just uh, we'll get right in there. Uh, we have uh, Coco that has a question. She was first in line. Hi, Coco. And... Um, uh, I never did figure out for sure whether she wanted to just come ask her question or wanted me to ask it. So, uh, Coco, hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Hi, Coco. Hi. Hi. I'm Tina. How are you, dear? Good. How are good. you? Good. 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 I'm, um, I have. I, I do have a Coco. I have a Coco. She's a pug. Um, oh. 
and that's why my screen name is Coco Has, because she had four puppies that I delivered, and I gave CPR to two, and they all made it. Thanks, so, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. job. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, You're well. And then I, about, about two and a half years ago, I came across um, my buddy Fuji. He was on death row, and I actually mm-hmm. found out on a computer because I was looking for a German Shepherd, and mm-hmm. his picture came up, and right next to his uh, picture, which he was a puppy, he was about 12 weeks in that picture, um, right next to it there was a euthanizing date for him, which happened to be that particular Friday. I was looking on breaks Tuesday. my heart. Exactly. my heart. It just, it, it's beyond my comprehension, but I'll listen now that I've said that. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, when I saw that, I thought, absolutely, it has to be a mistake. This is this looks like a little puppy, and it doesn't look like, you know, it's, There's... I was just floored. So I immediately emailed um, them back, and I said, this has to be a mistake. What's going on? And they're like, no, we just don't have any room for them. And uh, it came from a litter of four other puppies. So he's, I said, well, are they available? And they said, sure. So I went right away, and I picked them up. Beautiful. And since then, I ha- I've had him. Um, he's actually, like, I-, I feel like I could communicate with him. I feel I can talk to him. I feel like he understands me. Um, I'm certain. I- Yes, and I and I did have him trained. He went to a puppy preschool for about three weeks, um, and he's very well behaved and things like that. But my, he is very skittish. He he's afraid of every little thing. Um, we live with cats as well. Um, he's <laughs> very good with the cats. Only one Beautiful. of the cat. Yeah, only one of the cat. The other cat is a little bit older, so they don't really connect. But the other cat, they sleep together, they eat together, they kiss each other. Yeah. Beautiful. But he's aggressive towards every other animal. It feels, well, there's probably a number of things happening. And and I'll put this story into context for every animal that doesn't get to stay long enough with their mother, including the two-legged ones. What I find, especially with cats and dogs, as well as the rest of our domesticated animals, which means horses, and the ones that are orphans. And it seems to go across the board around the entire world. One, if they don't nurse long enough, there are a number of changes and growth patterns that don't naturally occur for them. One of them is there is a certain amount of time that they simply need to nurse from their mother. And it's not just psychological state. The psychological state, I believe, is entwined with the physiological state. The mother passes antibodies, the mother passes growth hormones, and the mother is nursing with the most perfect food for their neurological and physical development. As long as she's a healthy animal or is well-fed enough, to be able to sustain her babies, cat, dog, horse, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. That goes for everybody. And one of the difficulties that I 
keep seeing on an emotional level, particularly with cats and dogs, because we have more of those than than horses in our backyard, it seems, at least the people who have been finding me more recently. When they don't get the nourishment, it somehow seems to set them back emotionally and developmentally. And so, if anything, they're still on some level looking to nurse. And if they don't get to nurse, what happens is that energy and that incomplete desire starts to, I want to say, convolute in different ways. It thwarts development is probably the easiest way to say it. And so for your fella there, his name is Buddy. I'm sorry, sweetie. Fuji. Fuji. I'm sorry. I apologize. Fuji came from a very difficult scenario. He survived which is a good thing, and he knows that he survived because there's no question in my mind that the animals don't know it's a death house. There's no question in my mind that they don't know that their very lives are being saved when they walk out the door. And it's heartbreaking for me to think about it, but I do believe that that's so. Anybody who has ever rescued an animal from a shelter has the most grateful, wise animal in communication and in spirit with who it is that has chosen to save their lives. The difficulty is that they don't have the same parameters of understanding. For example, Fuji doesn't have the same understanding of being a dog because he didn't have a mama dog to teach him what was appropriate, keep him calm when he needed to be calm, nourish him when he needed to be nourished. So parts of him are developing along and other parts are still immature. And one of the things that also happens neurologically is that instead of getting those beautiful brain fats that all of us need, whether we're human or dog or cat, we're slightly shy of those. And there's a whole cascade that happens with that that I don't want to get into technical aspects because just to say that it happens, there's a chain of events. What I find helps is if we can get those brain fats in, and it's very important for humans. That's why we hear so much good news about fish oil, nourishing people's brains and keeping their thoughts fluid and their nervous systems dynamic, able to think more clearly. It even works, and they've done studies with humans long ago that using fish oil, which I know that Rick and Jean and I spoke of the last time around, was how wonderful the difference was in taking a good quality fish oil that they noticed themselves. It works the same thing for the animal. So there's a quieting anti-anxiety aspect to having your brain, what I used to call it, is just stretched so tight because it just doesn't have that proper um, fluidity that if the proper brain fats were in there, it would have. So something like that would probably help a great deal. Mm-hmm. Just because he would feel better, I know that I feel better. Uh, my, I'll give you a little cute story on top. I know that when I'm wanting French fries, my, my body really is telling me that I want oil. And if I take my fish oil at that point, my desire for French fries disappears. So we have these signals, and we there are cues that we can see in our animals. There are animals who lick plastic or eat. Um, 
like little flip-flops or rubberized things, anything that has pet- petroleum-based substances in it. And I've always looked at that as a, as a pika, which is an inappropriate eating of compounds that are not natural to be eat, of sourcing. They are looking to source those essential fatty acids. And that's why we hear about EPA and DHA being so important to be in our diet. So I think that would probably be a really basic, wonderful addition to anybody who has somebody who's anxious or more aggressive or unsettled or even might have something that they call anxiety separation disorder. Their brains just aren't in a smooth, peaceful place. Now, you can look these inf- this information up on websites, online. It's out there. I'm not seeing anything new. So that would probably be a real basic thing to start with. And what I have noticed over time is it seems to calm everybody down. They simply feel better. So I think that would be really, really helpful. And what I love most is your ability to clearly communicate with him. You can have conversations with him about this. Just speak to him directly. I don't think it takes classes and years of learning how. I believe it's an innate gift that all of us have. So bravo to you, Coco's mama and Fiji's mama. Yes, Yes, thank you. And And I love him to pieces. Um, and I and I you know, I do actually believe it or not um, he also gets special food because of course he has food allergies so I buy a bag of food it's like a hundred dollars a month for a bag of food for him it's it's killing okay. me um, so he's well, also got the food go on dear I'm listening that, uh, he you know he's got food allergies so he's getting that and I um, from time to time I actually do throw in coconut oil unrefined. Um, and he probably and he likes that. Yeah. It's probably beneficial. Um, one of the other things that happens with nursing long enough and not being given inappropriate food or food that's too difficult to digest at a young age is that the gastrointestinal tract doesn't get the same kind of growth hormones. Again, we're talking about what would be naturally in mother's milk to set it up and become healthier. And that's why we see differences when we give probiotics, which are acidophilus and bifidus, and there are are numerous other ones, but those are the ones most people recognize commonly. And what you're actually doing is helping the intestinal tract get strong and healthy. He would have gotten it were he, for example, a wolf in the wild or any of the canids in the wild. Most dog mothers regurgitate food if they have to travel distances. Now, in that regurgitation, which really means they're throwing up the food, like they may gorge themselves on something and then come back and throw up for their puppies to eat, they're getting the appropriate beneficial bacteria that's natural to the mother's insides, inside her gastrointestinal tract, and it's setting up the babies, the puppies, intestinal tracts to be healthy and strong and sound. So there are all sorts of little aspects that go into growing a healthy body that Mother Nature knows best, is all I can say. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, there it is again. Surprise Mama press. knows best. Surprise <laughs> for us. She knows yeah. what she's doing. Yeah, she does. Now, so I was that might also be something else that now, you can do. 
um, well, I, I do, I do my best with him, and and we are, like I said, best buddies. But I'm just curious, like, does he understand when I talk to him? Um, I think sometimes he does, and sometimes he's just kind of flighty, kind of like, yeah, okay, and doesn't really, <laughs> you know. How old, is, how old is he? He just turned three at the end of uh, April. He kind of feels like a teenager still to me. <laughs> yeah, you may. You may well be just dealing with a teenager, my dear. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause he's, you know, he's, like there's a lack of maturity there. When he's six, he's not going to be the same level of maturity. Even my young cat, who is three, just in the last two months has reached another level of emotional maturity, and it's quite clear to me in the way that he's communicating with me and what it is he's trying to do. So animals develop in maturation levels as well. Even though they may look like they're mature at three or five or two, they're really not. They're still growing up. And part of that um, attitude may well be he can't focus as well as he would uh, being more mature and understanding. I don't think necessarily or I don't believe necessarily he's ignoring you. It's just he may simply not have the focus. He may really just have that immature kind of teenager mind. And, and again, I would say that the fish oil would help with that, too. Oh, it works good. on human children. It works on adults. It works on cats, and it works on dogs. But the fish oil is really the easiest conversion for any mammal to absorb into their body. When we have to take it from a plant source base, that's predicated on the ability that maybe we can break it down, maybe we can do the conversion, but we may not be getting all the benefit of it. Maybe we'll get 50% of it instead of 100%. So when it's already in an animal source form, which fish oil is considered that, it's an easier inroad to get to the places where it needs to go. Now, Does do that you make see- sense? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I I do have medical background, so everything that you've said actually makes sense. I just never connected it to a dog. Uh, I understand. I, Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> yeah, it is, definitely. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, did Was he abused? Because he's got, like, divots on the top of his head, like, like um, uh, I guess, scars, because his his hair is not growing in certain areas, and if it is, it's it's kind of cockeyed. And um, I'm wondering if he was abused. He's kind of young to have been abused in that, but it's kind of, it's, honestly, it's hard to say. He could have just been locked in an area where he couldn't get out and was pushing up against it. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, to be mm. honest with you. Okay, yes. Cause... And something like that would make sense, you know, like he's pushing against bars to get out. Yeah, because it is. They're, they're actually on top of his head. Yeah, it's honestly, it's kind of hard to say. Everything else has been really clear for me. Of course, I'd like to believe he wasn't abused. Me too. Is he head shy? Is he head shy? Uh, when you, you mean your hand out to him, does he duck? Um, not with me, but with other people, yes. You know, it may or may not be an issue, but honestly, I think the fish oil is is a, a beautiful thing to help his brain even out. It will help his mind and his consciousness settle in more easily for you. I'd like to hear later on what happens after maybe six, eight weeks 
So if you can contact me, I would really appreciate following up to know how he does. I will, absolutely. I will certainly reach out to you. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Coco and Fiji's mom. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for the validation with your medical background. That's wonderful to hear. Oh, thank you. Excellent. Okay. Um, Holy, that was insightful for more than just me. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've uh, used... uh, uh, salmon oil with uh, dogs with good success before, and yeah. um, and I think there's uh, two in the uh, seabeds that Molly gets these days. Okay, we had uh, uh, one other caller from area code nine two zero, and then uh, uh, Sekmet will be up next. Uh-huh. Um, so, caller from area code nine two zero nine two zero. What's your Hello? question? Hi. Hi, this Hi is Amy calling. Hi, Amy. Hi. How um, are you? I'm doing good, Sophie. How are you? I'm great, sweetie. How can I help you? Um, Sophie, I have a little one. Uh, she's a long-haired chihuahua, Roxy. Aww. And um, she has been acting a little strange lately. She is eight years old. Okay. And I have recently decided to have an addition to the family. I'm going to get a little puppy. Okay. And I have been talking to her about this. Okay. But just let in the last couple of days, she has like kind of been displaying um, behaviors like going underneath the bed and not wanting to come out and go for a walk or go for a car ride or things like that. And. I don't know if she's catching on to what I'm telling her or, Sophie, she, a while back, had a spirit that was bugging her. And I finally figured that out. You know, I made a phone call and figured that out and got that situated. So I don't know what's going on with Roxy right now. And I'm concerned about her transition with all of this. Is she being bugged again by another spirit or is she just, a little um, wary of the transition that's going to happen. Hmm. Honestly, it sounds like she's afraid. Yeah. And the fact that you have the awareness of, well, we'll call it a spirit, was influencing her behavior and scaring her. Um, I would probably look to clear your house, do a beautiful sacred ceremony with white candles. You can do sage in the Native American tradition, which is very, very powerful. And let her know that she is safe and sound once you clear the house or however it was that you um, had the issue cleared up before. Because my knowing of animal wisdom is that they see things we don't see They feel things that we don't feel necessarily, and I believe that we can use them as valuable guides to understanding a greater picture than necessarily we have the awareness of. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, you know, I'm not believing necessarily that she's fearful about a puppy, but certainly she would understand that there's transition in there, and that would have been my first thought other than what you've explained about um, an issue with some other energies affecting her. 
Mm-hmm. So to me, when something is unquiet in, unquiet in a household, a family, or disquieting to an individual, like if my animals don't like a particular um, visitor, I'm very clear that they don't like them. If they don't even like conversation, their attitude changes and they can get kind of snarly, if you will. It's like the immediate response that they have is something that I always value as a guide to what's going on in my realm, including theirs. So, Mm -hmm. again, if it were me, I'd probably do a beautiful ceremony, clear the house if that's not something that you're aware of how to do, then bring somebody in to do it mm-hmm. and clear it for you and mm-hmm. then have a conversation with Roxy about this is what you're doing so that she's safe and sound and she's protected and that you're still her mama and you're not going to let harm come to her. Okay. That's where I would go with it with her. I mean, the only other questions I would have about this is if that behavior is exhibited um, at any particular event time during the day, for example, going to work at a certain time? Or is there an event, a schedule, because they're very, very sensitive there to schedules and habits about the way things need to be. They, all animals are like that. If food comes at 5 o'clock, it better be there at 5 o'clock or something's wrong. If we go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, what do you mean you're staying up till 11.30? I don't understand. So okay, there may be so some other aspect that's happening. Right. right. The only well, other thing I'd um, ask is have you changed food? You know, what else might have changed in her environment that we may not be consciously aware of could have dictated change in her behavior? Well, the other thing is is um, I have been kind of gradually shifting her meal times um, okay. to include two times a day instead of one time a day. And, you know, I chose to do this because I know the puppy's going to need to eat twice a day. And um, she was, like, exhibiting hunger, a lot of hunger in the morning all of a sudden. She was. was like, yeah. yeah. Well, And so I thought, it. okay, this mm-hmm. might be a good time to maybe shift this a little bit mm-hmm. and give her smaller meals twice a day. Agreed. And Good so idea. that has been recent. Okay. That's usually more comforting. I always find that smaller dogs can't possibly eat an entire day's caloric intake at one time. In uh-huh. fact, they can eat three times a day. They have, especially a chihuahua, those are tiny little tummies. You know, we're, yeah. we're not looking at a Rottweiler-sized belly, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She's, so she's twice about 11 a day is comforting. It's not yeah, itty bitty, teeny weeny okay. chihuahua, but um, I do feel like she has um, done well with that, and I think she's happier. Tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. So you know, just recently if she's that's been ex- okay. Pardon me. I believe that twice twice eating a day is a good idea. I, I don't. I wouldn't see that as a disruption. So. Um, that would be the only other thing. Other things that can change behavior patterns are um, obviously different events. For example, an instant where a, a household of kitty cats knew their mm-hmm. domain. They had their own rooms where it was their safe space and they ruled the roost. Same thing with mm-hmm. dogs. And all of a sudden a strange animal or a friend's animal, maybe not even strange, comes in and kind of usurps their territory 
and makes mm-hmm. them feel uncomfortable instead of them knowing what their domain is like and where their safe, sacred spaces are. Now there's somebody else in there that may or may not get along with them or they may or may not tolerate them, and that can completely alter their behavior also, even though the, the guest animal leaves. So there are other aspects that can influence it, but I'm not hearing that that's what, what's happened. And, no, uh, you know, and I've, it's been very yeah. recent, and it's just kind of disturbing because she loves to go for car rides. I mean, and I couldn't get her out from underneath the bed for two days to go for a car ride or to go for a walk. And That usually um, means they don't feel well. I mean, if we're not dealing with a pure fright thing, the question is she may simply not be feeling well. And so I'd ask to see... I'd ask, was she eating normally? Was she pooping normally? Pee normal? You know, did yeah. she have any sensitive places on her body that were ouchy? If she had diarrhea, then okay, we're not feeling well for a physical reason. And at that point, I'd probably have my healthcare practitioner, my vet, take a look unless it's only a temporary, I don't feel good. You know, even okay. possibly she could have hurt herself you know, tweaked her leg or something, come off a couch and just was kind of... You know, she did do that. Okay. She, okay. she, did, she did do that. I, she uh, jumped off a chair that was higher than normal for her, and I thought, oh, my God, is she all right? And did she squeal when she landed? Oh, no. But Good. I, if it were me and I landed like that, I would have had you know, maybe a bruise or something. It's really possible. So animals that have pain generally want to go into a quiet place and just simply give their body time time to heal. So if she seems to have come back into her normal way of being, then you're okay. If not, you really might want to have your vet check her out and be really certain that there isn't something that needs to be looked at 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 a deeper level. I wouldn't okay. really take. I would not take a chance unless she's kind of bounced back and it's herself again. Okay. So how long should you I know, give it? Well, how she, long she, has it been here? Um, two days. Just watch her. If you don't see her, my opinion would be that if you don't see her improving, then make a phone call and have a conversation with your vet. Okay, I can do that. You know, just watch what she's doing. All things considered. I got nervous because I um, there was some kind of spirit removal done for her. And after that, she was a different dog. I mean, she was a different dog. You know, dear, I would, I would call the same person back again and just have okay. them check. You know, okay. and it may just be something came in the household and she's reacting to it, which they do. Uh-huh. To me, I kind of okay. just like lighting white candles and invoking the white light and clearing my house and just bringing the blessings of the angels. Right. It's like, okay, angels, come on in and do your thing. I'd yep. like some peace and quiet and love in here now, <laughs> if you please. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I feel I feel comforted that um, Good. I spoke to you. Oh, thank you. Thank oh, you. Yes. Hopefully, I'm so glad hopefully I had I the opportunity. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. You'll let me All know right, how well, Rocky's doing. Reach out to me and let okay. me know. Thank you, Sophie. Okay. You're Alrighty. welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. So that's a good time for us to mention that uh, uh, you can find Sophia to stay 
connected at Sophia Jantara. That's S O P H I A J A N T A R A dot com. And I'll pop that back up in the chat chat room again. Chat room. <laughs> chat room. Chat room. We're chat chatting. Room. Chat room. Um, if I may, if I may say something before we get to that next question, um, having had a Chihuahua for nine years, um, I just want to throw in my little bit of two cents about these very neurotic animals, and they can be extremely neurotic. They are insanely resilient, first of all. I've seen my Chihuahua bounce back from stuff that I would not think that a big dog would be able to handle. Um, mm-hmm. However, they're super sensitive. They're mm-hmm. super sensitive to energy. So mm-hmm. even if you're concerned about getting another pet and introducing that pet into the environment of the Chihuahua, the Chihuahua is going to feel that off of you. Mm-hmm. I totally They're so agree. sensitive. Yeah. So sensitive. So so that's something to be aware of as well because that's something that I've had to really learn to to moderate with my our dog, our chihuahua, if you <laughs> if anybody in the house is off kilter or upset about anything, he's the first one to pick up on it. Mm-hmm. And it can mess him up for days. So <laughs> ooh, ooh. then I think rescue yeah. remedy is in order. <laughs> A little flower as a rescue remedy. We we have actually we have a rescue remedy now. His name is um his name's Stevie. He's uh-huh. the Vortex Kitty and since he moved in the Chihuahua has completely bounced and become something different. Like the the cat is so such a calming energy in the house that the Chihuahua is first time the Chihuahua has ever gotten along with any other animals at all. So, um, But having had them for nine years, I'm, I'm really intensely aware of how sensitive they are. So it's it's always good for Chihuahua owners to know that, that energetically they'll pick up anything. They'll know when you're sick. They'll know when you're upset. They'll know when you're, they'll know when you're sad before you know that you're sad. <laughs> well, that's a wonderful insight. It's wonderful to know. I always believe they're all that sensitive, but then I haven't had a little chihuahua buddy in the house. So it's different when you live with someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. They're very sensitive dogs. Um, but they're awesome. They're awesome pets to have. They can be very loving. Just don't <laughs> piss them off. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, sounds like a or little experience. Their, disturb their balance or their schedule. or Yeah. My my yeah. Molly, I think, has some Chihuahua. She got a Chihuahua head anyway, uh, on a miniature pincher body, and um, she has a routine of when she walks, what snack she gets after each walk, mm-hmm. and um, and then once she's had her walks and her snacks and her dinner, she gets on the foot of the bed and stares at me until I come <laughs> get in the bed. It's crazy. It's but, night time. It's nap time. Yeah, she just knows it's yeah. you know it's eleven p.m. Get you in the bed. And, uh, <laughs> I don't always cooperate, and she doesn't <laughs> like that. But <clears throat> dogs can be fun that way. Um, and cats, they'll do the same thing. So, just an update for everybody. Uh, Sekmet has the next question from the, our chat room, and then we're going to have area code five four one, and then six zero nine. So I. I like to do that every once in a while so everybody knows I've seen all of you, really. And wonderful. It's wonderful that you're all here. Thank uh, you. Actually, 
area code 609, I don't see your hand up. If you do have a question, just punch one on your phone. It'll raise your little flag over here for me. Otherwise, I'll assume you're listening and just let you hang out on the couch. Mm-hmm. Now, Sekhmet had said, um, basically, just, uh, my dog, is he happy? Does he need anything? Or does he want to tell me something? Or is there anything I need to know? And if we need more description or any of that kind of stuff, um, segment it, can type back to me. It would be helpful so I have a little more to focus in on the dog, like what kind of dog it is and, and his name. So I at least have a little, uh, an avenue to follow through with. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I always I love pictures. When, when I work with people, Directly, I always ask for pictures whenever possible. At this moment, we don't have that, and that's uh, okay. But just uh, a little bit of understanding, like, are we a, are we a, a young darling little Pekingese oh. named Bodhi, like the Bodhi tree? Yes. And um, it's a he, cool. I believe, so from yeah. earlier. Okay. And um, just, just feeling like there's something maybe that... How old is he? How old is Buddy? Check that. Yeah. Yeah. How old is this little fella? Type type back. This This little being feels very loved and very sweet and very precious. And if anything, it would be that he loves her dearly or him Uh, dearly. Yes, nine nine years old, Pekingese. Bodhi from Bodhisattva. Yes. Oh, a blessed being. Yes. Well, no wonder so loved. <laughs> no wonder so loved. There's great appreciation in this soul for their relationship. That's my sense. It, this is just like, Hello, puppies. <laughs> the, the dogs in Canada agree. Great appreciation. Aww, aww. This, is, this is a very loved being, very appreciative. Um, you know, I just, I just feel this beautiful sweetheart, really. That's what I feel. So, if anything, it's more likely a, a confirmation for everybody that knows this animal how pure the love is that he's offering to everybody, and that he gets it. He totally gets it. <laughs> right. Oh. And there's some kind. Is it possible that my question would be: Is there some kind of possible favorite food he'd like more of? <laughs> ah, what, what a surprise! <laughs> right, right. Hey, I saw a great graphic on Facebook today, and it was this dog said hungry, and the human says, "But you had breakfast." And the dog says, "Want more breakfast?" And then there's a little voice thing from the from the human going, "You'll get fat." And uh, Dog says, what's fat? And the human says, it's what happens when you eat too much food. And then next frame, the dog's up on all fours and all excited looking to go, fat sounds awesome. Let's get fat. <laughs> yes, more food, good. Yes, exactly. More food is good. Uh, I just feel the preciousness okay. of this soul. Yeah, segment's not sure what that what a favorite food might be right now. Uh, does he like coming to work with me with the children? So I, I'm I, I'm presuming that segment works with children. Um, 
He loves coming to work. He likes the constant companionship. My sense is probably there are times when he would like quiet time as well. When he'd like a break from the children, like a nap time or something. Which I think all of us would. I don't think it's just Bodhi who would want it. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think that he's very happy with that life. Excellent. Wonderful. Might be. I get the sense sometimes he'd like to have a nap away from the children, if you will. I remember seeing a beautiful, again, Facebook, um, two pictures. And it's the story of a dog who shows up at 2 o'clock every morning, or every afternoon, rather, and asks to come in to this woman's house. Looks well-fed, has a collar, and the woman lets the dog in. The dog goes into the kitchen, goes up against the door, and curls around and goes to sleep. When the nap is over, the dog goes back out the door and disappears for another day. Next day, dog is there. So this happens a number of times in the story, and apparently it was a true story. At least that's what they say. And so finally, the woman where the dog is coming to nap in the afternoon writes a note and attaches it to the collar and says, are you aware that your dog is coming over here? Chinap is there each day. Is there any possible reason why he might be doing that? And so the next day a note comes back, and the note says he lives in a household with five children, and he's just looking for some peace and quiet <laughs> and a place to sleep without all the children running around. <laughs> And I'm going, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. And then, of course, the woman says, can I come over too? <laughs> right. <laughs> can I have a turn? I'll curl so up said, on the floor in the corner. You'll hardly notice me. <laughs> I know. I thought that was very sweet, and I could certainly understand it too. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. So does segment have any other questions about um, the last was just big smiles. I asked if there was something more, and I haven't seen anything else. Okay. I do find it interesting that that we have Sekhmet, the lion-headed goddess, asking about dogs. We are companions. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Dogs and cats get along if we quit telling them that they don't. Really, truly. I've seen so many beautiful different species coexisting in elegant ways. Parakeets sleeping on cats. Puppies sleeping on goats, cats, adult cats sleeping on the back of horses. Uh, just amazing how they so take to each other when given the opportunity to do so without interference. Absolutely wonderful. So, yes, cats and dogs do get along. <laughs> they do. Awesome. They cuddle on my couch together all the time. Yeah. yeah. they got pictures on your wall and everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. Okay, so... Um, thank you, Sekhmet. <laughs> yes, thanks so much. <laughs> and um And a uh, very, very happy, very loved little Bodhi. Very so now we, we have our uh, caller from area code 541. Caller from 541? What's your name and your question for Sophia? Hi, my name is Annalisa, and I'm asking about my cat, Franny. Uh, okay. She's 11 years old, and okay. uh, there's a few things. Um, she's not going out as much, and I, I, her claws are getting sharper and sharper, and she pokes into my clothes and rips them a lot. I took her recently, well, a couple of months ago, to have her claws clipped for the first time, and 
now they're going back again. I'm wondering why she's not going out as much. And then I'm also wondering, when I give her um, wet food, canned food, she seems to get Mm -hmm. diarrhea. And so, I mean, I've I've fed her. I've had her since she was about four, and I've always fed her the dry food. And so it seems like she can't metabolize or digest the wet food. Or if I give her vitamin supplementations, that seems to give her diarrhea too. So I just want to make sure there's not something there that I should be concerned about. And anything else? Me better. No, of course, dear. Um, Mm -hmm. Food that a change in food, not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, as we all get older, our digestive abilities are not as strong as they would be when Mm -hmm. we're younger. And it could be she is just simply allergic to some of the Mm. contents of the food. It can Mm -hmm. also be, and I've seen this before, it can be the quality of the food as Mm -hmm. well. The quality Mm -hmm. of the vitamins may simply be too rough It. It just may not be in a very digestible form. So Mm -hmm. when I suggest wet food, particularly for cats, I suggest a grain-free food. And it Mm -hmm. comes in cans, and you can find it in your health food stores or better pet food stores that are more Mm -hmm. healthy-minded, and that may well solve the problem or solve the issue. It's not a problem because when you stop giving it to her, she doesn't have diarrhea. Um, You know, her system probably can't handle what's in there, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And it's almost, I'll just make the distinction between grocery store brands Mm -hmm. and the kind that you're going to see quality-wise in a food store and a really better grade. I've been giving her Which organic one? food. This is a treat, maybe even just a, a tablespoon or not even that much, just to give her, you know, a, just a little treat because she likes the flavors, you know. Understandable. So mm-hmm. is it a single-source protein food? Like is it all salmon? Is it all beef? Is it all chicken? Because sometimes um, they'll have a sensitivity to one protein over another. Mm-hmm. I think it might be, they're probably mixed with rice, now that I'm thinking about it, and it doesn't matter which flavor I give her. I've tried two different brands, or, or even, you know, some lesser brands. It just seems that anything that's, has, I don't know, it just, it seems to be, and I and I think that's what it is, you know. Okay, I'm, I, we're, I'm, I don't doubt Mama's intuition, I'll say it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Okay, that, yeah. that's, I'm not questioning that. <clears throat> What kind of dry food is she eating? Is it a better um, organic food as well? Does it have grains in it? It's it's a non-GMO. I don't give her corn. I make sure there's no corn in it. Okay. Um, I forget the name of it. I don't know if it's organic, but it's a higher quality that, you know, okay. it's it's a little bit better. Yeah, because I was just giving her out of food or out of cat for a while, and I realized that's not necessarily a good idea, you know. So how long, well, it's just not as nourishing, and they end up with a lot of yeah. empty calories that don't give us give them proper nutrition. You know, mm-hmm. grain is a filler, and there are numerous other things, and that could be a whole another topic for discussion at another time. But 
really the way that I look at cats is they are obligate carnivores, which simply means they need meat. And when Mm -hmm. we try to add grains into their diet, whether it's wheat or or corn or even rice, Mm -hmm. it gives them an extra burden on their system unless it's a very small amount. And I tend to like sweet potato, and there are Mm -hmm. a lot of diets out there that use pea as the the starch aspect, if you will, the the carbohydrate aspect. I personally Mm -hmm. don't feed my cats grain at all. I am really completely grain-free. So there's a Mm -hmm. digestion issue in that. The vitamin supplement just can be the wrong formulation for her or the forms Mm -hmm. that it may be even a very good brand or says it's a very good brand, but unless the chemist who made the formulation knows the distinction between different kinds of iron, for example, one can be very rough and and create diarrhea or another one isn't rust, literally not an oxide, but is in a form of a food that's absorbable. So there, Mm -hmm. there are different things to balance here. And you might just want to cut up fresh chicken for her, cooked chicken. Mm-hmm. And give her that. And at the age of 11, I find a lot of kitties like chicken liver if you are a strong enough stomach-minded individual to be able to do that. And yeah, I might I even believe just it try myself. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> I understand, dear. So I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to put you in an uncomfortable position, but what I have learned over the years is that as their organs get older, they mm-hmm. need more organ support than lesser support. As mm-hmm. a kitten, most kittens don't want chicken liver, not yeah. even at five unless they have some particular <clears throat> issue. They're not going to eat it. But by the time they're eight or nine or ten, it might be something that they really want in it. They might eat it for four days in all and then not want it for two weeks again. See, animals with their innate sensitivities and abilities to know what they want will look for what it is that their body needs if given the option or the choice. Were any of our babies in the wild eating full mice and full squirrels and full rabbits, they would be getting all of that organ nutrition and compounds that are natural to those body parts in their body to nourish their own bodies. And the Asian philosophy where they eat all sorts of things that we would never dream of eating as humans in this country they nourish their bodies with different things like spleen and 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 um, bone marrow and all sorts of things. And they're looking to keep the whole body tonified. So that might be something that you could look into is how to better nourish her body. And it may just be a, a non-grain food or you may simply choose to give her little tidbits of chicken or turkey or offer her beef, but just regular food if you can handle doing it knowing that you're a vegetarian (laughs) and the reason why you know I mean that's where I would go with it that's what I would look at and see how she Mm -hmm. does with that a lot of older kitties like salmon yeah Yeah, well she like I mean the the canned food has salmon in it and one has chicken and fish I mean she loves it Um, when I used to eat salmon I would give her the skin and she would love it I'd give her little pieces she wouldn't eat very much of it but she would go for it Right, and there's that that beautiful essential fatty acids that their bodies so, so need. Cats burn fat for their energy. 
They don't burn mm-hmm. carbohydrates like dogs or cows or deer or elephants mm-hmm. for that matter. So their body is looking, being such a highly set nervous system and so unique mm-hmm. in their obligation to eat meat, they also very much need the fat for their body as fuel, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily addressed in a lot of commonly produced food. Or yeah, it's not well mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. as yeah. far as her... Go on, Rick, I'm sorry. Well, uh, I was just going to say, I I feed Molly a grain-free uh, diet because and and dogs are much more of an omnivore after hanging with humans for so long than cats. Cats are still pretty much a pure carnivore, and um, uh, but I find she gets along so much better on the grain-free mm-hmm. uh, diet. And um, we're lucky enough to have a company here in Texas that makes it. But I know that, and and I don't want to endorse any particular companies, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I know that Blue is a uh, dog food that is available in major, like, pet outlets, uh, Petco, PetSmart, those big pet outlets usually have blue brand food, and they have an entire line of grain-free uh, cat foods. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a salmon grain-free food. They have um, um, one that's uh, buffalo they have that's what Molly eats is buffalo. Uh, mm-hmm. Very pure and hypoallergenic because it's so little used in the processes in the past of you, for animal food, whether right. it be cat or dog. And um, uh, my uh, daughter, my stepdaughter, had a dog that had some pretty serious food allergies, and uh, finally he wound up on duck food. Yes. Unusual, uncommon, and that's why they haven't developed an allergy to it. And I think probably ducks are easier to raise than, let's dare I say, chickens or turkeys. <laughs> but, but you know, just looking at Blue's uh, line of grain-free uh, cat food, they have um, salmon, uh, chicken, duck, buffalo, um, and then they have uh, one that's just called wilderness, which is a mixture uh, that comes in kitten, adult, and mature cat. So, and of course, there's 18 other brands here on the page: Organics and and uh, uh, Neutro's Natural Choice. So, uh, there should be uh, should be a way to find some. But I, I I have just found that 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 particularly with wheat, uh, the gluten just doesn't Molly doesn't do well with that. So, and a lot, and I, a lot of the other ones have beet pulp in it, which I'm. I've just read some things that I would not feed it to anybody. So, I think beet. What did you say it was? Beet. Say it again. Pulp. You know, from beets like purple red beet. Somehow they extract it, and it's probably just the waste product. It's the fiber, and they use it as filler. It's uh. To see it in a better quality, organic-oriented food, but things get snuck in. So probably the best thing I would do is go online and look for the organic foods. Just say organic, mm-hmm. non-GMO cat foods, and see what mm-hmm. you can pull up. And then you can do the reference for who's it. Call the companies up that look, you know, reasonable to you, and mm-hmm. say who carries what in my area. And they generally will be able to look it up by zip code. You know, they'll yeah. be able to tell you where the distributors are, where the stores are. Um, yeah. 
And I just kind of wonder if she has, Franny's just reached a point where maybe her tummy's been upset, her body's slowing down somewhat to age, and that's why she may not be going out, and she may need the kind of high-quality food that she doesn't have the sensitivity to, which Mm -hmm. you're already doing is dry, but it is easier for them to digest wet food. All of their food in the wild would pretty much be wet. When you take a dry food, particularly for cats, their body has to crunch down the crunchies, and then they have to absorb enough water to turn it into the, the equivalent of a pea soup slurry, and that requires drastic amounts of water compared to what they've eaten in the bulk of a dry food. And it may be that she is having a difficulty balancing those things as well and therefore not being able to absorb as much nutrition. If her weight is staying the same, that's wonderful. And it may simply be that it is. That's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it may be that she's slowing down a little bit, and that's why she's not wanting to go out. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And if if she's scratching posts to to hone down her claws, so (laughs) she used to do it on the fence. I understand. Well, maybe. Outside, and (laughs) now she's not. And I've lost many. Go on, dear. I'm sorry. And oh, I said she's bought into lots of my clothing because even there's just like little little needles when they get lost. You know? Well, I do know. Maybe <clears throat> maybe where you where you brought her, you can have a vet tech or someone who does um, mobile grooming come to the house and show you how to trim her claws. And as yeah. long as they're not black claws, you should mm-hmm. be able to see what it is that you need to do, and that's okay. You know, it's just part of normal maintenance. I don't leave my kitty cat claws long because I'm always afraid that they're going to get caught on something and tweak themselves and maybe hurt their little toe or tweak their arm. So I try to keep yeah, them a little bit shorter. And if I may, um, one of the things that we use with the dogs, and and we can use it with the cats too, if you're scared of the clippers, I know a lot of people are scared to use clippers because they're scared to, yeah. to cut too deep. They now make grinders for pet claws. And Mm -hmm. once the animal gets used to the sound, it's actually a much more efficient, more gentle way to do their claws. And it's easier on both the pet and the owner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's an option, too. Yeah, I thought about it. Delicate. (laughs) Well, she looks like about years old, four years old. (laughs) How how old does she look, Annalise? I'm sorry. Uh, About four. Oh, wonderful. Then you're doing a I good job. I thought she was two when I got her, and she was four. And I can tell every time she has a birthday, I could see when she just, like, did a quantum leap in maturity. I mean, from from week, one week to another. They do that. <laughs> it's amazing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing to see. Yeah, I would right. say just as long as her weight's maintaining and she seems to be regularly active, um, mm-hmm. She may need a professional to look at her to make certain that everything is up to snuff in her. Um, In the past, I've worked with veterinarians and had them do blood tests if something seems um, tremendously different in their behavior or appetite, like something might be hidden and bothering them, and looked at the blood chemistry profiles with the vets to discern whether Mm -hmm. or not there may be some kind of nutritional support 
for an organ system and just make sure everything's okay and kind of catch something if it might be needing a little more support than it might need two years down the line where it would be a bigger issue. So as mm-hmm. long as she seems to be normal and relatively acting herself, um, see mm-hmm. if you can't find the food that will be okay for her. And the fresh food, little snippets of it might just be the answer for you. I can try that because maybe it's the rice she doesn't do well with. That's mixed any, in it with is, it. any of it is possible, and sometimes we just have to kind of do the trial and everything because we just don't know. Right. Okay, we Which just is, don't know. And that's yeah. the way the vets would do it all. So they would probably say do a single-source protein diet, meaning only salmon or only duck or only one thing. And when you mm-hmm. have really severe allergies, that's the way they go through looking at what it yeah. is that the animal might be responding to so you can absolutely eliminate it and not ever use it again. Thank yeah, you. I understand. Not same thing point. I have to do yeah. myself. <laughs> right. <So> I, have, <laughs> I understand. Yeah. One other refinement question for her, sure, sure. personality-wise. Um, uh-huh. Can you pick up on anything that might have happened before I got her that – um, she doesn't like loud sounds. She doesn't. Some men she's afraid of. If they come, she just hears men's voices and loud voices, and she'll go run and hide. And she's also kind of like she doesn't like other cats in the neighborhood. She scares them off. She she yells at them, "Go away!" You know, she just wants to well, be queen of the roost. <laughs> I think you just said it. She's queen of the roost, and if anything interrupts her. <laughs> If anything interrupts the queendom, it's just simply not acceptable. And that's a normal cat thing. That's a normal, innate, instinctive cat thing. Well, she doesn't have any... She doesn't have any what? Any friends, other than humans. (laughs) Maybe that's what she's satisfied with. Sometimes that's all that we need, you know. Mm -hmm. And there may one day be someone that she'll find acceptable as a friend in the outside world. That's entirely mm-hmm. possible. But if you yeah. think about the way that cats are, unless they are aunties or siblings or mother and child, generally there's only enough food source in a specific area that there is their territorial hunting ground. And to have others come in means that they would not be able to provide for themselves and provide for their young and maintain a healthy life. So part of that is simply instinctual from my understanding. It's like we need this amount of land with nobody else around us so we can feed, even if she's being fed every night and every morning. It's yeah. part of being a cat. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, she's a Russian blue, and I had a Russian blue male that was t- – they look identical, but uh-huh. uh, he was a little longer-haired. Um, but their personalities are totally opposite because when I got her, I was treating her like I did Lewis. And mm-hmm. I, he loved to be picked up. He loved to look in the mirror and see how gorgeous he was. And she hates being picked up, and she doesn't want anything to do with the mirror at all. <laughs> you know, I had to learn who she really was because we, we just stand each other first. <laughs> and now we can't live without each other. You know, we're just like Well, that's best the beauty of buddies. love affairs. Yeah. So, um, you know, it may just be she's a more sensitive female as regard to loud noises and Mm -hmm. to loud male voices. It may be out of what her comfort zone is. Um, Also, just remember, most animals 
are taken too soon from their mothers and don't get enough time as a child being trained how to be the animal that it is. Mm-hmm. So whether it was a neurological thing as far as maybe just not enough nursing or whether it was the fact that she was brought up in a very quiet household and her nervous system just is not used to oh, big noise she was in a very male rock other other animals around and a little yippy okay. dog you know <laughs> so she was you know around around quite a bit of noise for the and first four years and she did well with it and she did well well with i don't it. know you know i wasn't mm-hmm. there i know that she, that's yes. where i got her from my friend couldn't take her she was moving and she couldn't take her with her so you know i went to look at a couch and came home with a cat you know? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you got the better deal here <laughs> i think so the couch was purple and too big <laughs> <laughs> and you got a perfect but i had wanted another queen. cat and you know when my when lewis lewis was unfortunately mauled by a dog next door i let him out one morning and it's a long story, but, you know, I kept hearing a voice that said, where's Lewis? And I'd look outside, I couldn't see him, and then I just, I heard again go out by the back screen door, the screen window, and there Lewis was laying dead on the ground right near the screen. And it's unfortunate. I called my neighbor and I said, Did, was your dog out in like in the last half hour? He said, yes. And I said, well, he just bit my cat and shook him and killed him because there was diarrhea and and Vomit, I'm you know, so, and he would puncture. I'm so hear that. Yeah. Well, I will yeah. tell you this. My little four-legged people have a cat corral, and they're always supervised, and they can't get out, nothing can get in. And my yeah. heartfelt request to everybody is make certain your animals have a safe place to go, that nothing mm-hmm. can happen to them, whether it's, mm-hmm. A cat cage in cities where they people make these beautiful openings into a yard that really is undefensible, and they put a box over a box shape made out of mesh or wire fencing, and the animal is safe. So that would be my heartfelt plea to everybody: please don't let your animals out unsupervised. Because I don't like the results that happen sometimes. I'm not strong enough in my heart to take to take that for my own, and I can't imagine anybody else will be comfortable with it either. Right, so it's be my, it, prevent whatever you can. You know, we can't right. prevent old age. Thankfully, we know how to grow older gracefully, but we can certainly put leash, leashes and collars on our animals and control and maintain safety perimeters for them to be involved and interact in the outside world versus not known. So I'm truly sorry that that happened. And maybe Miss Franny has decided she feels safe for being in the house and doesn't want to go outside. (laughs) (laughs) Could be. Hey, thanks so much. We have uh, reached our time for the night, uh, but we have a caller that's been on hold for 38-some minutes. So if you can stay with us for a few extra minutes, maybe we can get them a quick answer and then connect them to you. Sophia? I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm here, dear. Uh, I was hearing a ring. Sorry. Okay. Um, so, caller from area code 609, if uh, we can get your question in real quickly. Um, like I said, we've actually reached the, the end of our program time, but we we schedule okay. a little extra space in there just in case. So Wonderful. Hello, how are you? 
I'm good. How are you and yours? Oh, we're good. My question, um, I actually had three dogs, and six weeks ago I had to put my oldest female to sleep. I'm sorry very to Very unexpectedly. That. Thank you. Um, it was very, very unexpected. She literally was fine and then within six hours was gone. Um, my heavens. And what the vet had said was um, she thought that it was probably cancer. I'm still okay. not sure. Um, okay. And I'm just, I guess my question is for the two um, that I still have and, and okay. where they're at with Reese not being with us anymore. And that's Ginger talking right now. <laughs> Hi, Ginger. <laughs> she has a lot to say, doesn't she? Always, yes. Quite the communicator. Yes, yes. Bro, well, she like really that. has. She has a lot to say. I can't even keep up with everything she's saying. <laughs> My well, she heavens! Hears someone outside right now. <laughs> well, she's quite clear about what her boundaries are in that case. Yes. You know, it, oh, it is natural. It is natural for animals to mourn, to grieve. They may not understand that your eldest girl is gone in the sense that, you know, she went away and didn't come back. So that might be confusing. And I have seen animals in all species go through a grieving and a mourning period where sometimes they just are quiet or they don't want to eat and it's their process as well as ours, you know, to pass through these emotional states. The really lovely part is that I'm aware for myself personally, and I've heard story and story again, is though even though they depart their physical body, their spirit remains and stays strong within us and around us. People have told me wonderful stories about having dreams or feeling the animal jump up on the bed in the same place and in the same way that they did all their lives, even though they're no longer embodied. So in some ways, I feel that the animals who are still present with you in physical form have that awareness and comfort once they adjust to the physical separation, just like we do as humans. So... It's very difficult to go through separation yeah. time, and it's difficult for all of us. And what I usually say, what I always say is, I don't think there's anything harder to do than that. I, I think that's it. That's the number one for me. And I completely understand that it does create an entirely different dynamic within the household, whether you have other little four-legged family members or if it was your only one, it's an entire change and period of adjustment to know how to act and how to behave and how to come into a different kind of understanding and harmony in the way that you react and interact with the ones who are with you. So I would say be patient. As always, dogs are generally patient with us also. Absolutely, yeah. I'm listening to Ginger. She's, she's like, 
I feel her like the little, the little guardian, the little watchdog, like you have to know this and you have to know that. Does that sound like her possibly? Yes. Yeah. Yes, actually. Sure. And it, Reese was a lot more like that. I mean, when I would get home, they, of course, all would greet me, but Reese would, you know, it was literally like she was telling me about the day and she did this exactly. and she did this. And <laughs> Exactly, you do. <laughs> like this is what my day was, and I have to uh-huh. tell you all about. It. Look at this, uh-huh. and I always love yeah. the pictures on Facebook where it, a dog is taking a pillow and absolutely, or a stuffed toy, and it's absolutely shredded all around the room. And and there's always some cute comment about, um, I don't know how this happened, and it wasn't me, but I know I was the only one here. <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> we have an entirely different, rich cultural life that exists when we're not with them, and I find that absolutely fascinating to be witness to. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, as long as we understand that they are having a very rich cultural, emotional life, even if we're not staring at them, watching them have it, it's very much so there. So yeah. I would say. Spend little more time, do a little more special things, different walks or going rides in the car, and just give them the extra time for yourself and the attention to just being with them and breathe through it because that's all we really have is our breath. Right, right, absolutely. You know, be gentle with yourself. It's all we can do. Really. Right, just yeah. be gentle. And that's what I've been doing. I mean, and One. like when when I bring up Reese, you know, Ginger will still be like, you know, the ears will go up and she'll look oh. around. And <laughs> so I understand. Yeah, it's definitely been an adjustment. It is for all of us. Yeah, for sure. They're definitely more quiet. Well, Duke yeah. is anyway. Not not so much Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, thanks for calling in. Sorry that we got to you right at the end uh, and uh, into the overtime. Uh, but you. I appreciate well, you calling. Yeah. And uh, uh, for those, oh, I, we had a caller that just dropped off. I was going to say, uh, y'all can be sure and go to Sophia Jantara, S-O-P-H-I-J-A-N-T-A-R-A dot com, and you can get a hold of Sophia there and uh, – uh, get get a session and and have your questions answered in great detail. Uh, <laughs> and, well, no, I'm sorry. I, you know, I just uh, I, I always hate that when it, you know we usually can't get to everybody. And, I know. Uh, uh, but we're uh, appreciate everybody staying with us a little extra tonight, and uh, uh, appreciate your sharing your time and your talents with us. It's just awesome My- what you do. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to offer insights. And my my heartfelt desire is really to be able to have everybody understand these things. They're all gifts, and it's all available to all of us. We just need to find the right pathway how to get there. And most of the time, the mommies and the daddies already know everything that I'm going to say. And sometimes we just want a little confirmation. And that's all we need. Right on. Right on. We do know. Y'all, we do. We Absolutely. Do. Uh, we do know. People give me a hard time well, all the time. They say, you talk to your dog, and your dog answers you. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, yes. 
<laughs> is that odd? <laughs> I've been doing it my whole life. I don't know what it. And um, you can do it. And you know, when you're convinced that your animal's trying to get something across, give it a minute. Be still for a second. See what the animal's trying to say, because you might be surprised that you can find out. You can. I don't hear Molly so much as I just have a knowing. No, Claire, Claire I Cox, know. I guess they call it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, everybody has their own way. And uh, absolutely, there is. They're they're all the right way. But they're certainly precious, precious gifts. These little oh. bundles of love that run around. Oh. With. Uh, oh. Absolutely, I just I fall in love each and every time. <laughs> How can one not have if one if one had no heart I suppose you wouldn't fall in love but I fall in love each and every time and it's always a joy. Always. Right. Yeah, it's tough tough to tough not to like you say. So <laughs> um again thanks everybody for the overtime. Uh we've got a big week next week. We have four shows next week. Um mm-hmm. Wonderful. We, we had three this week, so we're you know we're building up. We have four next week. Yay! Uh, uh, we do. It won't be every week, but uh, let's see. We have what? Uh, Jean, Monday we, we have, have Alice. Alice Grist from the UK, who is an author from the UK, and she is coming in to do a special um, at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday. But of course, for those of you who work day shifts or aren't able to make that show live. The archive will be available both on Blog Talk and our website. And, of course, through iTunes. If you go to iTunes and subscribe to Everyday Connection Radio, your shows will get delivered to your i whatever iPhone, iPod, iPad, <laughs> iComputer, iPad, iApartment, iHouse, iCar. Um, Absolutely. And then uh, Tuesday and, at our regular time, we have Cameron Bag who is a paratographer, he calls himself, a paranormal photographer. So excited. This one's going to be super fun. You see some of these pictures, it's going to be wicked cool talking to this guy. Awesome stuff. Um, Yeah, he uh, runs around and takes pictures of stuff that some of us just aren't able to see. But that, as Sophia so politely pointed out, our animals are well aware are there. So um, this guy's tapped into that and is running around taking pictures of it so that he can go, see? 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 Look! Look! Uh, look. Uh, There's more to the world than you're aware of. So he's going to be fascinating to talk to, absolutely, for sure. And then on Wednesday, um, another next week is just crazy. Next week is such a crazy week. Uh, We have this amazing musician from the States who started an organization um, called the Dew Foundation. And what he does is put families into homes. So we're going to learn how he got started and... He's very, very passionate about this, and you can see it through the way that he, you know, every time he talks about a new family and he's found a home for he he finds so much joy in being able to do this. And um, so he's he's going to be another excellent story. Um, oh, and yeah. then Thursday, on Thursday, a week from tonight, Thursday. will be our our. Now this counts all of our everything we've done, coffee with source and all that stuff, but. Thursday night, next week, will be our 200th episode. 
Wow. And uh, so we will be celebrating that by introducing uh, the newest uh, on-air, on-camera personality Personality yes. with Everyday she's Connection. She's going to be running around with me in a camera and um, going to talk to people, and she's going to be doing an element of Everyday Connections on YouTube called Stranger Connections. So basically, she's just going to go and walk up to strangers and start talking to them about really intense stuff. And we're going to see if we can get some really passionate conversations going in the middle of a busy street. So, right. <laughs> or the grocery store. Or the grocery or the gas store station. or the gas station. Or, or the gas station. Yeah. Uh, you never um, know when your bus driver might be a Zen master. So, you know, we're going to go find out. And, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to go start asking she's people. Gonna what do you know about the, love and life? And run the switchboard stuff. for me so that I can, you know, get lost in the conversation completely. And not lose all the callers and everybody because it's hard to keep track of it. It was great tonight because uh, we just let Sophia take over, and all I have to do is keep track of the folks. <laughs> yeah, just smile and nod. I, smile and nod. I can say um, you're very talented and you're highly in demand. So, oh my heavens, I'm truly blessed to be able to offer that which comes through naturally. Awesome. Supported so, by you, got you beautiful, beautiful souls. I adore you both. And I know you know it, but I'd like saying it anyway. <laughs> and well, congratulations. Because um, I have a question for you about my pet for tomorrow. Cause yes, ma'am. i got stuff going on tomorrow, so stick around after the show. But um, we're almost at time. We're, so we'll yeah, it's that time. Have a wonderful weekend. Yeah. Join us on Tuesday. And until then. To our mother, to each other. And especially to yourselves and your furry friends. Stay connected. Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. If we just So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? 
With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.